What's up, military millionaires? Today's guest is Tom Connolly, who is a retired full bird colonel in the Marine Corps, who has also been the director of defense contractor organizations. And he is now a leadership development uh, author and coach, consultant, speaker. And this episode's great. We dig in for like an hour into some really solid advice on leadership and how you can become a better leader. And obviously, if he made it to becoming a colonel in the Marine Corps, he knows a thing or two. And then he's been the director of other organizations organizations and he's built some he's this is just an awesome interview so take a look take a listen enjoy it all the way to the end because the best answer is the one at the end because he gives like a full synopsis of how you learn leadership and it's a ton of great advice so make sure you stick to the end don't bail out early but also make sure you review the podcast if you haven't done so already because we would be eternally grateful and to have Alex indebted to you is is something that you may never have another chance for. So you should definitely take that offer up. And also, if you got something out of the episode, share it and make sure you subscribe to the platform so you get notified when new episodes come out because we don't want you to miss this stuff. This is the number one podcast on how to become a military millionaire because it's the only military millionaire podcast. But, you know, it sounded cool when I said the only one. So uh, take it, leave it, love you all. Welcome to the Military Millionaire Podcast, where we teach service members, veterans, and their families how to build wealth through personal finance, entrepreneurship, and real estate investing. I'm your host, David Perret, and together with my co-host, Alex Felice, we're here to be your no BS guides along the most important mission you'll ever embark on, your finances. Vehicle one, you're cleared to depart friendly lines. Roger. Vic One, Oscar Mike. What's up, military millionaires? I am your host, David Prey, and I'm here with our guest, Tom Connolly, and my co-host, Alexander Felice. And today is just going to be a really exciting episode. So I'm going to introduce Tom real quick. Uh, today's guest, Tom, is an experienced leader, strategist, and change agent with proven performance leading building and fixing organizations by creating a culture of performance. In over 30 years of Marine leadership, he led organizations from 50 to 3,500 personnel with budgets of up to $2.8 billion. Tom served as the director for two different defense companies before founding the Tomley or the Connolly Consulting, where he helps leaders improve their performance and success professionally, personally, spiritually, and physically. And Tom was a uh, colonel in the Marine Corps when he retired. So I thought that was, that was cool. So he's not only did he retire from the Marine Corps, but he's done a ton since then. So we thought it'd be fun to bring him on the show and talk uh, leadership and coaching and speaking and, and everything that he's doing now. So Tom, welcome to the show. Hey, thanks, David. It's great to be here. And uh, Alex, good to see you, man. So yeah, it's wonderful to be here. Why don't you uh, give, can you give a little bit of a backstory from, you know, as far back as you want to go up to what's brought you up to where you're at now? <laughs> wow. Um, you know, that, that, that's a long story, but um, let's just start right here. Uh, big family. My dad was a master chief in the Navy, hospital corpsman, served with the Marines on Peleliu during World War II. Mom was a vet uh, during World War II. So we raised up learning what hard work was. Uh, dad took us aside and said, you know, said to his four sons at different times in our lives because we spread the range uh, of ages. And he said, uh, hey, I would love for my sons someday to serve their country. I said, okay, that was it. He didn't tell us we had to enlist, but he said, and I'll take care of you while you're here, but you got to earn your way um, if you want to go to college. And so do well in school, sports, scouts, and it, but the rest is on you. And uh, 
so that's, that's where we started. Um, my mom was in the hospital a lot. My dad was deployed a lot. He spent 30 years in the Navy. Uh, you know, we grew up in a house where the, the flagpole, you know, we had a flagpole out front, 25 foot flagpole, had a yard arm, a gaff spar, you know, our house did everything but pitch and roll, but we dug it. Mom was all about it. Dad was all about it. But my mom passed away when I was young. Um, so we were always a, a tight, tight group. Um, and uh, my brothers uh, ran the show. Um, but when I, I got to see what they were doing and where they were going, and I had three brothers. Uh, two brothers went to Naval Academy. One went off to an NROTC program. We ended up with three Marines and a sailor. Um, and, uh, but I got to see where they were going. So I was apprenticed at an, at a young age. My dad used to say that I spent 17 years as a seaman apprentice before I ever went to the Naval Academy. And, uh, but going to the Naval Academy, you know, I, so I learned the hard work part. My dad was always about, Hey, whatever you do, give it 110%, whatever you do, give it 110%. And so that was, you know, I heard that a thousand times by the time I was, uh, you know, thinking about college, etc. So I, I was pretty sure when I went off to the Naval Academy that I wanted to be a Marine. Um, but when I got to the Naval Academy, I realized it's not just all about hard work. You sometimes you got to be, you got to work smarter, not harder, right? And, uh, and so that became a, a lesson to me, you know, everything is about study, action, reflection and refinement right and that's fundamentally how we how we do business in the military right so you get out there you get into your first set of yellow footprints stand in front of your first platoon or or your first area of responsibility you stand in front of your men and you look at them and you realize i don't know everything right so i need to start doing something um and so you you know you just start doing the best you can and and you 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 study what you have to study you you uh act on, on that, you ref, reflect on it, what your results were, and then you refine, right? If you do that fast enough, right, then you are successful. And you know, if you do it too slow, then, then you aren't, um, you know, because you're, you can't adjust. And some people would look at that tactically as, as Marines, you know, and say, hey, well, that's the OODA loop. Well, yes, it is the, you know, that old uh, observe, orient, decide, and act, right? Um, except that, from the leadership side, you do it from the, the front end. So anyway, I got commissioned. I did, I became an artillery officer. I, uh, I served with all three divisions. Um, I uh, had the opportunity to, you know, command at every level, did a tour on recruiting duty, did a tour, uh, a couple tours at headquarters Marine Corps, um, was standing in the Pentagon on 9-11 when the airplane hit. Um, and, uh, that was an interesting experience nonetheless, but I thought I was going to retire in 2003 and somebody flew an airplane into my office building on two, in 2001 and kind of made it personal. Um, so I stayed around and Marine Corps kept giving me good jobs to do. Um, so I kept doing them. And then I looked up one day and my time was up. Um, so, uh, so I said, hey, I, I'll, I guess I'll go the next, do the next most best thing uh, you know, patriotic thing. And that is be a businessman. Uh, I always kind of figured that if you were, uh, in fact, I heard one of your guests say this the other day that, uh, someone had told him that the, the, the next best thing to, you know, be in, uh, in the military, uh, or patriotic thing to being in the military was, 
being a businessman or providing jobs. And so, so I looked at it and, uh, and of course I, I stepped out with, with the idea that I could carry on kind of what I was doing in the Marine Corps. And, uh, and, I, and I discovered that you really can't do that. Uh, so once you take the uniform off, everybody kind of looks at you a little differently. Um, and, uh, but I knew that I, would, I didn't want to be in government service. I didn't want to continue that. I just wanted to be a businessman. So I did that for about five years, but every time I was in, you know, putting together a proposal or sitting in a, a conference room with a bunch of people, it always seemed to be that I was talking about dy organizational dynamics, leadership, how we put a team together, how do we make this thing happen? And uh, so after uh, a couple of companies, uh, great companies, and uh, worked for a great friend of mine, um, I, 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 I was about, I guess my daughter was a senior at the Naval Academy. I was going to write her this epic novel, right? Or this epic essay, right? My dad used to do this kind of stuff, wrote, wrote a couple of manuscripts. And, uh, and, and I thought, you know, I'll write her, write her this book. Well, I, I got started on it and I was, I was not making great progress. Um, you know, you, when you start writing something like that, you start really thinking about what you know. Right. And, and, and how, how well you can really represent that. And can I say that? Is that really mine? And so you, you really think hard about these things, stuff that you may have thought forever as a Marine. Hey, we know leadership. We understand that stuff. We do it every day. And then you start talking about it and you start, start putting it in writing. And you go, is, is that really, is that what really what I think? Is that really what makes it go? Um, so I was kind of struggling with that, but at the same time, it came to me, I said, you know what, I need to be doing this. This is what I need to be doing. So I called my boss and I said, I said, hey, boss, um, I want to be doing X, Y, and Z when my son graduates from high school next year. And he said, well, you better get started on that. And I said, yeah, that's why I'm quitting. He's like, what can I do to help? And uh, so, uh, but it took me a little while to figure out what that what that space was, what was I talking about? What was I gonna do? Is it consulting, is it coaching? Um, you know, I knew that writing a book, hey, I'm actually contemplating a second one right now, it, it, but it was like getting pulled through a knot hole. Um, you know, it was, it, it was a struggle, it was tough work. Um, I, I'm a pretty good writer, but I don't wanna write for a living. Um, and so, so I, uh, I started looking at what, what can I do? And I said, you know what? I have done this my whole life. What can I do that moves the ball forward, that helps people uh, succeed? What can I do that is still in the business world? What are these things? And, I, and it came, came together. I, one day I said, look, what can I get paid for? What, what makes sense? What helps people? Uh, what's a passion? And then what can I, what can I do with that? And, uh, and so here I am and uh, been, been putting this thing together. Now in the last six months, I have, everybody else has been in this COVID thing as well uh, with me, but I moved my entire family or I moved my entire setup family uh, to Texas from Virginia. And so I'm two months in this house and uh, and dig in Texas. So, so here I am, you know, fire away. What can we do?
Yo, I don't think an hour is going to be enough. So, <laughs> so I'll try and keep uh, my answers short, man. No, no, no. So look, one thing I really, um, I mean, there's a few things I wanted to pull apart, but one of those things was, uh, you said you started to write. And he said, as I started to explain these things that I, and I'm paraphrasing, supposedly knew, when you try to articulate them on words, uh, you, you mentally, I find, I find the same exact feeling. That's why I bring it up. I go down rabbit holes and I'm like, hang on a second. I could, I gotta, do I know this? And how do I know it? And how do I then sell it on paper, which is much harder? Um, uh, did, uh, you said you were a good writer and then you said you got through it. You wrote, a, you wrote, ended up writing a book. Um, how'd you get through that? Well, you know, that it, it took me like two years. Okay. And the, the first, uh, you know, the first year I was working for somebody else and I figured, you know, I was just going to do this on my free time in the morning. Right. You know, for like the first hour after PT, I was going to, you know, I was going to sit down and write a little bit. Um, and so I talked to, I talked to a bunch of people. I mean, it's like everything we do, right? I mean, part of the book, one of the things I came across, or the, my, one of my aha moments was, hey, leadership is an apprenticed vocation. Well, so is most everything else. You learn it from a mentor. You learn it from somebody who's done it. So I, I was like, you know what? I'm not stupid. I'll, I'll talk to people who've done this. And, and uh, so, you know, I talked to a few folks and, uh, you know, if you're going to write, you write every day, you have to do it. You set a time, you make it a priority. It, it can't be your free time. Um, it has to be the job. And, uh, and there was a, a book, um, Stephen, uh, Pressfield, right? The guy who wrote, uh, the, you know, uh, Gates of Fire. He wrote a book called the war of art. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and, and that's what it's all about. It's all about him struggling to be a writer. And so there was some actually some good stuff in there. I went, oh, oh wow, okay. But it, it, was, it was all that. The, the hard part about doing it yourself is you gotta find somebody to read it. I mean, you can buy an editor program, you can do these things, but you need to find somebody who read it, who'll give you the no shit, can I say that? Yeah. Um, you know, <laughs> good. Whatever you want. This is, this, <laughs> well, you know, I, I, I'm trying to be polished, man. Um, uh, the, uh, I'm know. a Marine. Yeah, yeah, okay. <laughs> still, still, still active. It's still yeah, wait, it doesn't matter. You'll be a Marine forever. That's mm -hmm. the, that's the key point. Um, yeah. The, uh, uh, but that doesn't mean that you have to wear the uniform forever. So anyway, but we, we uh, but, but you, uh, you need to, you got to find somebody who read it and really, and really give you their honest opinion. So a friend of mine at church, business guy in the consulting world, younger than me, never been in the military. They said, can you read this for me? And it's not long. I mean, I decided early on that, you know, if I write everything I think I know, I'm going to have like a thousand page book. It's going to take me a hundred years to write this thing. And what I really wanted to do was try and put something together that was a roadmap for my, for my kids and for the beginning leader. And so I said, you know what, I, I need to make this really short. I need to, I need to bust it. It's actually harder to, who was it? Lincoln that said, you know, uh, I, I didn't have time to write you a short letter. So I wrote you a long one. Yeah. I mean, you can ramble on forever, but you gotta, it, when you're trying to keep it short, you gotta really aim in on what you want to, pass on in what you know. But anyway, um, so I got this guy to read it and he read it and he got through the whole thing and he, and he was like, listen, I really liked it. I mean, there was stuff in here that, you know, there's some language things, you, you speak in Marine. 
but he said, you know what, this, these four, th these five things you present at the very end, they're really the whole book. And so I was like, holy cow, I got to go back and completely reorganize this thing because he was absolutely right. You know? And so you got to, uh, I got to take like every, well, fortunately it's written in like three, uh, three page sections so that, you know, a, a young leader who's spending a lot of, spent a lot of time and energy taking care of their people that doesn't have to, you know, read a 40 page chapter. They're reading, you know, three pages, you know, they can do that in 10 minutes and, and then move on and be done with it in a week, you know? Um, so, so that's, uh, so that's the long story, the short story, the, you know, it's not the full story, but it's the story of the book. So. Hey guys, if you're looking to take your investing, business, life, or just yourself to the next level, then I have something for you. The War Room Real Estate Military Mastermind Group is a mastermind group that meets weekly in small groups of five to six people to help you hold yourself accountable and really experience that growth. But we also have a monthly guest speaker that we bring in, and we've had guest speakers that talk about mindfulness, taxes, we're bringing in somebody to talk about marketing. We bring in very specific topics that will adhere to very broad, any any kind of real estate investing or investing or entrepreneurship that you want to do and will really help you out. We let you ask these speakers questions and get very personal with them. And then back to the small groups, weekly accountability for what you're trying to achieve and just being surrounded by like-minded people. And they say your network is your net worth. I know that's an overused phrase. But I recommend that you check it out. So just shoot an email to wrmastermind at gmail.com. Once again, that's wrmastermind at gmail.com. And we'll send you some more information. I, I resonate with that, with a lot of what you said in regards to a book. So I have several friends who've written books. And I have a book at the editor right now. And obviously, it's it's getting completely reworked because I'm – I always attribute that it is – that being a Marine has prepared me for writing more than anything else ever could because – there is nothing worse as a young sergeant than handing a naval letter format to someone who just graduated from the Naval Academy and is bored. <laughs> and so it's basically the same thing. You get it back from the editor and it's just a red piece of paper with like a, like a word left on it. And you're like, oh, all right, thanks. Um, but I, I did the same thing, like followed other people's advice and like sat down every day and said, I'm going to write this many words, whether I feel like it or not. And then it went out to the editor and it's, I, I just got an email this morning actually saying like, yeah, I think this whole section should probably be somewhere else in the book and we're going to have to reorganize this. And I'm like, oh, all right. So all that to say, I, I resonate a lot with what you're saying and it absolutely is like challenging to try to figure out what's actually worth saying, what's not worth saying. How do you keep a book from like the perfect balance of fluff and not fluff? And so I appreciate what you're saying. And I can't imagine trying to condense the topic of leadership into three pages <laughs> chapters was an easy topic or an easy thing to do. Oh, uh, well, you know, the, uh, the, the great thing about it is it's another lesson in humility. It's another lesson in, you know, trying to, trying to pull your thoughts together. And, and it's also a lesson in, in, uh, you know, in reflection, in not reflection, but how do I communicate? How do I organize my thoughts? You know, I mean, we can go through life with SMEAC, right? Situation, mission, execution, <laughs> admin, logistics, command, and signal, right? The old five paragraph order. Hey, that's a great way to communicate a business memo, but it isn't a book, you know? So, so the, uh, so there's, 
you know, that, yeah, there's some real challenges there. Congratulations. I mean, it, it just the idea of doing it and committing to it is a significant challenge. Absolutely. Now, if only he knew anything to teach. <laughs> That's my hype man. He's, uh, he's my favorite person in the world. I'm going to talk about humility. I don't even need a book. I just have Alex around. Yeah. <laughs> you know, we all got to have those ego. people, right? I mean, you got to have those people. I mean, you know, fortunate, you know, if you're fortunate as a leader, you always got the, your platoon sergeant, your gunny, your whoever, if you're, you know, you've got, you've got somebody that you can turn to, right? Who calls you on your BS, right? Is this really a good idea? You've blown smoke up my skirt. You know, what is this? Um, you know, and I was always very fortunate to, to have people around me that, you know, that's, you know, what you're talking about is not exactly what you're going to get out of this. And, uh, so you always got to have those guys, right. And, uh, in your, in your opening, uh, intro, you had, uh, to touch on having, you know, people around like that, you said you had, uh, three other older brothers. Um, they were basically the mentors, young age mentors. That's a, that's a, that's an outstanding benefit to have, right? Oh yeah, absolutely was. Um, still, still is, you know. Uh, How much older are they than you? One's 10 years older, one's eight years older, one's five years older. That's awesome. So, yeah, that's awesome. And, and they were. My dad was the icon, you know, he taught them, you know, and they passed it on. Um, and, uh, and they, and they still do, you know, I still call my brothers for advice on, on whatever it is. They're, it's always an interesting conversation. Uh, every once in a while they call me for advice on something, but, uh, you know, it's, you know, you, when you're, uh, it doesn't matter if you're 50, you know, 60 years old, um, when you all get together, you're still the little brother, you know what I mean? So, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, but yes, it was great. It still is great. They're great guys. Yeah, finding mentors. Yeah, finding mentors is such an important thing. We talk about it all the time, and like to have some, have so many at such a young age is such an well, it's a very fortunate uh, advantage. And it's lucky you got along with them. Well, I mean, I know not always, right? Like me and my brother right. were at each other's, but me and my brother were at each other's throats until I, I left, and then we didn't speak for eight years. So it's uh I, I'm very envious of that situation <laughs> that you had. <laughs> well, you know, we're Scotch Irish. So, you know, there was a, it was fisticuffs going on, you know, on a, just about a daily basis between somebody. Um, but, uh, you know, but they made sure I, I knew what I was doing and, and, uh, and where, you know, where I was going and, um, and what I was getting into, you know, so. But yeah, it is unusual. You know, the one thing about, you know, in the military is that you have, you have, uh, you know, mentors all around you. Um, some of them are good and some of them aren't, you know, you learn from the bad ones, just like you learn from the good ones. Right. And, uh, and you don't have to walk up to somebody and say, Hey, will you be my mentor? You know, you go, that guy's got stuff together. I'm going to pay attention to what he does. Um, you know, and, and so you always have those people. I was very fortunate um, to have, you know, great leaders, especially early on, you know, as a lieutenant, my first battery commander was the best battery commander that I think ever walked the earth. And I've told him that before. I mentioned him in my book. Um, you know, he's, uh, 
he, he just knew his business inside and out. And he was a great leader, prior enlisted sergeant, you know, fought in Vietnam, uh, you know, was, was just a, a fantastic guy. And he treated us all like we were his sons. And, you know, he, there was no stepping down from the standard, but at the same time, you know, he was ensuring that we, you know, we figured out where we were going. Um, you know, so, so those, those kind of people to find them, I mean, it's not, it's not rare, but you gotta be, you gotta be open to it and you gotta recognize it. Um, probably. I love what yeah, go ahead. No, I love what you said. Uh, in fact, I, was, I wanted to signal to David that we could pull that as the audio clip because part of real estate um, investing or business is finding mentors. That's why I kind of harped on it. And what you said was perfect because people, you know, they have this question, how can I find a mentor? And they think that it's like, you know, dating. Like I have to go up to somebody, <laughs> ask to be a mentor, they agree. We, you know, what, you sign a contract? No. And so it's really like you said, you know, I have an, uh, and you kind of touched on two things, right? So one of them is, you know, find somebody you want to emulate them. Just watch them. Even if, on the internet, you can kind of stalk them from, from afar and learn from somebody. You can listen to podcasts, like be around mentally the same place that somebody who you want to be like is that, and you'll get, that's mentorship. They don't even have to know you're, they're mentoring you to get mentorship. Right. And the other one is um, anti-models, people you don't want to be like. And those are good to, to pay attention to too, right? It's like, oh, that guy is screwing up. I don't want to do that. Whatever he's doing, I'm going to do the opposite. But uh, I really like that you said that because uh, the way you said it was perfect. You know, you don't have to, um, I forget the way you said it. That's why I wanted David to pull an audio clip of that. Um, like, you don't have to have a formal agreement with somebody for them to be your mentor. You can, you can just listen. You can just, oh, yeah, I'm watching you from, from across the room or through the internet. Uh, and it's really beneficial. I agree. Yeah, well, it was for me. Absolutely. Yeah, well, yeah. You know? So it's funny. I did a video three weeks ago, two weeks ago, someone was asking me like, what would be my advice to a young Lieutenant from like my point of view on a lot of financial advice, but you know, and whatever. And one of the things I said in the video was like from elite, like your first, your first job as a, you know, young officer is, is leadership. So find like the moment you get to your unit, like figure out who the best leaders are in the unit and grab a hold of their curtails and ride along, like figure out what they're doing, figure out what they're not doing and emulate it. And if you can find that, and the Marine Corps makes it incredibly easy because you always know who the leaders are. And as long as said leader is doing a decent job, right, which you can identify pretty quickly, like as long as you have access to talk to them, which you can get because a good leader will make themselves open, you can learn a ton. And I mean, I've got a list of people that I've worked with in the Marine Corps who I'm like, yep, that guy, that guy, that guy, I'm having lunch with one today. And you can just get so much off of them just by watching how they work. And you don't have to, you know, I don't have to go stand in the stand in the colonel's office and, and see what see hear all his conversations to know how he operates. He publishes a memo that nobody reads, but if you read it, you learn how he, you know, it's it's uh, it's yeah. amazing how. And I think that's kind of the same as social media, right? Like the guy who you want to learn from about real estate, the reason they're posting that stuff, yeah, sure, it's to grow their platform, but they're posting that stuff so you can kind of see what's going on in their head. They're like leaving those breadcrumbs for you if you just pay attention. It's pretty cool. Uh, absolutely. Absolutely. You know, my dad's advice to me, you know, he was a master chief. He had six kids, you know, he, he, he wasn't making a lot of money uh, in the seventies. And, uh, and I said, what about investing? You know, he said, that's something rich people do, you know? 
And I was like, well, I'm not sure that that's where we want to be. So, you know, when, when I was a lieutenant, that first battery commander, you know, I, I didn't know what I was supposed to do with my money. That first battery commander, he said, you will go to this investment, you know, seminar. You, it, it's free. You don't have to sign up for anything, but you will go. And he made all of us lieutenants go. Um, and, uh, and I, and I started investing, um, and, you know, I've been, I was very fortunate in that I, 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 I lived through a couple of, I lived through a couple of, uh, you know, downturns, um, you know, about three or four of them. Um, and, uh, but I was, but every, you know, but the, my, my problem then was I was scared to death of real estate. And, and every time, you know, throughout my life, every time I, you know, did, I bought a house, sold the house, whatever it was, it was like getting sucked through a knot hole. You know, it was like somebody, you know, beat the heck out of you when you were done and you never knew whether you got a good deal or you didn't, you know? And uh, so, you know, a couple of years ago here, I, you know, I went through a, a class with, uh, uh, with, with some guys. Um, you know, I don't know if, you've heard of white feather investing, yeah. um, you know, buddy rushing and, and, uh, he, uh and Greg Namra works out here. I've hung out with him once or twice. Yeah. 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 He used to, yeah. He used to work, uh, up at the, at the meth there, but, um, but uh, you know, I watched the video and I went, you know what? I got to do this. I got to, I got to do this. This is, I got to do this class. I got to do it. I got to at least find out what the scoop is. Um, and it, and it was brilliant. Um, it, it, it and I, I will tell you, it opened, it caused me to reevaluate not just where I was investing, but, and how I was investing, but it also caused me to look at my own leadership skills and how I was working with people and things like this, you know, before all of that, uh, would I be sitting on a podcast with somebody? Would I have, you know, tried to arrange that to do this? I, I don't know. I, I doubt it. Um, you know, my daughter listens to podcasts, you know, all day long. Um, you know, whenever she's driving somewhere, she's got something, you know, piped into her head. And uh, I'm like, that's fantastic stuff. So, um, but yeah, so before, he, mentors before. open doors that you don't realize. Woo! We'll be back with the show in just a minute. But I wanted to take a brief second and say that, look, you are already obviously investing in yourself by listening to this podcast. But if you can't figure out how to get past all that daunting crap that you just don't know how to sort through and you're trying to get started in real estate investing and you're just stuck, I, I mean, it happens to all of us. It's daunting. You don't know what you don't know. You don't know everything there is to know and you don't know really where to find all the information. So that is why I created the Real Estate Investing for Beginners Zero to One course, which is solely designed to get you from I want to invest in real estate to holy crap, I have a rental and it's cash flowing. And this course is not going to be anything super complicated that you won't be able to understand. It is just designed to teach you how to build a team, find investments, finance investments, conduct due diligence, close on the investment, and then operate it so that you can enter the real estate investing world smoothly. So if that sounds like something that interests you, definitely check out the link below. And it's cheap as hell right now. Before the show, you said you were... Um... He said, yeah, I started doing this real estate investing, but you know, I'm not a superstar like David. And I really want to address this because this means you're really bad at it. <laughs> 
So look, I, I want to personally extend, so if I can help, because you're definitely, if you think David's good at this, you're on a terrible trajectory. And I want to make sure we nip that in the bud immediately. <laughs> yeah, he's blushing. That's how good I got him today. <laughs> um, so, but let's talk about real estate real quick. Um, I'm just going to hold you, up the contract I signed today for five units for dirt cheap. And then I'm going to just drop, I don't know how you drop a mic that's on a boom stand, but consider this dropped. Okay. <laughs> Let me see your income statement from last year. <laughs> <Let me. laughs> um, so, so, okay. So you're military and now you do uh, the consulting, the leadership business. How, what, what transitioned you into uh, real estate? I know you said you've done a few houses along the way. Uh, buying and selling real estate uh, is an incredibly stressful process. Um, so I understand it's like buying a car, but actually less liquid. It's harder to buy a house than a car. Um, so what, I know you said you went to this class. What's it been like since then? You bought a, you bought some investment properties. What's the deal? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, well, you know, the, the, the idea and the premise, I mean, fundamentally, uh, they, they start off with, you know, it's essentially a, you know, buy and hold forever kind of approach. Right. And, uh, and I like that book and, and that's, that's kind of where, you know, I, I thought this is good. Well, fundamentally the first thing that got me was looking at it and go, Hey, you know what? You can make money four ways on real estate, you know? And, and I've got a bunch of money sitting in mutual funds that are only making money one way, you know, and I've been giving it to some dude with green eye shades on for 30 years, you know, who I don't even know who's in the back of the room, you know, moving it around telling me he's doing great things for me. And sometimes yes. And sometimes no. But over the, year, over the last few years, you see a tremendous amount of volatility. And I'm like, you know what? I'm not 30 anymore. I don't have 50 more years to make up that difference, right? It's all great. Dollar cost averaging and everything is fine when you're 30 because you got like 50 years to make up the difference, right? When you take a dip. Well, when you're 60, you don't have 50 years to make up the difference. In fact, you maybe want to use some of that now, you know, or in the next few years. And if it's all down here, right, if it takes a dip and you're going, ah, yeah, I can't really get to that right now because if I do, I'm giving up, you know, tremendous amount of money, right? Tremendous amount of value. So I said, you know what, I need to start. I need to start figuring out what I can do with that and shift some of it around and put, put some of it, you know, in real estate. In fact, a lot of it in real estate. And, uh, you know, so that, because it, it, it's, I won't say it's more stable, but it is, it's more stable. Um, and, and if you're not flipping houses and you're not, you know, trying and you're not doing multiple multifamily syndications, et cetera, over, you know, all the time. Um, it's not as stressful, right? Because what makes it stressful is the thrill of the deal. And if you're into it for the thrill of the deal, I'm, I'm good. I'm good with that. That's a business. Um, you know, what I'm, what I'm looking at is, you know, can I, you know, can I produce income uh, over time? right? And defend against the volatility of the market. And so I can do that, buy and hold forever. I can do that. I can do that with one or two commercial investments or a handful of multifamilies or 
whatever it is. But what it all really comes down to is, in my observation, just like leadership, right? It's your network. It's who you know and who you deal with. Who are your property managers? Who are your bankers? Who are your, um, you know, who are your uh, wholesalers? Who are, who are the people that are in your network that you trust and deal with? You know, I just bought this house and I didn't, I didn't sweat any bullets over buying this newly built house because I knew who my loan officer was. I knew who my realtor was. Um, and, and, I had, and I knew how to do the homework. Um, so to look at it and go, you know what? I get it. It wasn't like getting sucked through a knothole. Now this is buying this house. Um, and the most recent, you know, uh, rental properties was not, uh, you know, was pain, painless as well, because you know, who's in your network, you establish your network, you look at where it's at, you learn how to, you learn how to do the analysis of the market. Where are you investing in? You know, can I make a return on this here? Um, those are the questions that, uh, now, that if you don't trust your network, then you're going to read a lot, a lot, a lot of books for a long, 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 long time trying to figure those things out, right? Um, because otherwise, you know, otherwise you are taking everybody's opinion a little differently. And it's your niche. What do you, what do you want to do? Why are you in it? And, and what do you want to do with it? Can you make money in it? Absolutely. You know, I would, I would be right there to tell you if you can afford to buy a house every year, buy a house every year, you know, at least until the point where you know you have enough money to be able to do other deals. Right. And, uh, but it doesn't have to be your life either. Right. It, it, it this, so real estate's my side gig. Um, you know, could it become my primary? Maybe. Um, you know, but, uh, I'm not looking to, I'm not looking to, uh, build a real estate, um, a, a real estate, uh, you know, business that, you know, that, that's a, that makes me a multimillionaire. Um, although I will tell you, I got my daughter started in it and I'll get my son started in it because it's good stuff. And guys like you, you know, you, you know, David, you and Alex, you are, you're doing the right things, putting this out there, helping youngsters understand that, you know, what they can do and, and how can they can improve their situation, improve their life, you know, and, and grow with, you know, in, in, a, in a reasonable way. And you control it, at least to a degree, a much greater degree, you control it. You're not just giving it to a banker or some guy who's sitting in the back room that you don't know. You don't, you don't know what he was doing last night and you don't know what he's going to do with your money. No. So anyway, I'm, I'm I like, running on, man. Tell me to shut up. <laughs> no, it's all good. I, I, I agree with the last piece for sure. I mean, a lot of what you said, obviously, like the four pillars of real estate and all, all of that's good stuff. The piece that I always liked with real estate is, you know, at the end of the day, if something goes super wrong, it's my fault and I can fix it. And I am a fan of knowing that there are things I can do to improve the system and improve the process and make a better return and make a worse return and cross collateralize or do whatever. And ultimately know that it's on me, whether it does well or not, as opposed to, yeah. you know, I, I definitely invest, you know, I have a lot of money in the TSP and stuff like that, but um, as opposed to just letting something ride and, and not really understanding it, you know, everybody, all the, all the really successful investors talk about investing in what, you know, 
and investing in what you can control. And I think that's a powerful piece for sure. Absolutely. Good stuff, man. Good stuff. I like real estate as a side gig too. I uh, sort of kind of did real estate primarily for this year and I found I don't really want to do that. I want to keep it as a side gig. Uh, I think it's a really good side gig. Uh, I think a lot of people in our circle that are trying to move to real estate full time, I think are, mm, I think they really just hate their jobs. They don't really want to do real estate full time. They just don't want to do what they're doing and they're, and they're making real estate. They're, they're, uh, you know, passion project, but it's not really their passion project. And it's not as lucrative as it was five years ago either. Um, so I love real estate as a side gig. And I, I realized, I think that I'm going to continue, like you said, I'm going to buy a few properties a year. I'm flipping houses right now, but primarily doing buy and hold forever. I don't intend to sell anything. And um, I love that. Buy one a year for 40 years and you're going to be in real good shape and it's not that stressful. Amen. <laughs> oh man, I agree completely. Awesome. So I really like, and we touched on it at the beginning. I like that you said leadership is an apprentice vocation. So I really like that you acknowledge, you know, that great leaders might, might be born, but they're, they're, they're made, right? Like it's, Absolutely. you learn this. Yes. Um, so, and, and, you know, I'm looking at some of your other stuff in here as far as some of your uh, leadership points, but uh, you had some really good stuff that you talked about. Can you brush up briefly? Could you go a little bit deeper in what you mean by an apprentice vocation? Like if you were, we'll, we'll, we'll ask it this way. If you were, fresh out of school, fresh out of college, you join the military or you join a business or whatever, like what would be, what do you think would be the first thing you would do if you were really trying to become like grow into that leader? What would that look like if you had to go back in time? Well, so it's easy when you, when you, when you go into the military because you, somebody gives you, somebody gives you a job and says you're a leader, right? Um, you know, maybe they even give you some classes on it, right? Um, but that's not really what being a leader is, right? I mean, being a leader means, first off, you got to commit to being a leader. Uh, you got to say, this is what I'm going to do. You know, um, in my book, I talk about competency and competency being one of those things. But you, you have to be competent in whatever your, your uh, technical specialty is right? Or your industry is, right? So, I mean, if you get out and you become a CPA, you're a CPA. You better be a good CPA, right? Because there's rules and standards and all that. If you are all by yourself, you're not leading a lot of people, but you're still in a network of somebody. You're leading clients, you're leading whoever, but you have to figure out, and that's why I say leadership is its own vocation, right? I mean, you have to study leadership. You have to figure out how do I lead? Who are the people that are doing those kind of things? Leadership's fundamentally about relationships, right? I mean, you, you have relationships with everybody, but it's, and it's real easy to say it's this, you know, once you're a leader, you're a leader, but that we, that's not true either. It's different in each um, industry. It's different at each level, right? It's different with every person. Okay. Somebody asked me once, you know, is it, is it, you know, is leading in combat hard? And I was like, no, it's not. Um, if you're technically competent in the war fighting stuff, right? Everybody knows that the enemy's over there. We're going to go do that. The, the leading part, you know, is it's not hard to motivate people to do what they're trained to do. 
Um, and uh, that, that's much easier in many respects than trying to lead people in a, in, in a headquarters back in the rear where everybody works in a cubicle, right? How do you keep everybody on the same sheet of music? How do you move the ball forward? How do you coordinate and integrate? I can put 50 guys in a formation and say, go that way, you know, that's, that's relatively easy. Um, but when you're not, whether that's in a civilian job or in a headquarters or um, it, it is, you have to figure out what needs to be done. What does my organization need? I have to be the leader for them. Um, so the first thing you got to do is you got to commit to the idea of being a leader, right? And then the next thing that you have to do is you're going to say, I need to be competent. Okay, what do I need to be competent at, right? And, and you start at your desk, for God's sake. You know, if you have a desk, I mean, there was a time when I was a lieutenant when I didn't even have a desk, right? So start at your little, you know, your little green book or whatever your responsibilities are for the day. And you go, what do I have to know? I have to know SOPs you know, standing operator procedures for my people or for my organization. I have to know, um, you know, all the technical manuals that all of all the equipment that I own. I have to, uh, I have to know what the rules of the battalion are, the SOPs and the rules. What are the orders that exist? What are all those things that I have to know? And that's true whether you're in a, a Marine or you're out in the civilian world. What what am I responsible for knowing and what do I have to do? And then you got to think about, okay, and I'm responsible for taking care of these people. And what does that mean? You know, um, you know, and, and what it really means is your job as a leader is to help your people transcend to something greater than self. How do you get them to grow? Because a leader is just somebody that people follow, right? And sometimes they, they follow you just out of idle curiosity, right? And sometimes they follow you because you got your stuff together. A lot of times they follow you because you give a shit, because you care, because you're willing to go the extra mile. You're willing to put yourself out there and say, what can I do for you today? They just tell a funny story. You know, when I was a lieutenant, there was a Marine, his, he comes in with his 19-year-old wife, and they have a child already and another one on the way, and, and they're financially gooned up like Hogan's goat. I mean, it's, it's ugly. And so I sat him down, and I started talking to him about, okay, listen, this is how much you make. This is what you can afford. Here's how you do it. Da, 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 da. And I showed him how to make a budget. For the rest of my time at, at, in that unit, at Camp Lejeune, whenever they had a marital problem, I became the chaplain. They didn't, she didn't want to go see the chaplain. She only wanted to go see Lieutenant Connolly. Okay. And, and is that painful? Oh yeah, it's painful. But the point of that was because I was willing to take the time to do that, my other Marines realized that I was, that I gave a shit, that I was willing to help them. And, and so it opened, it, it opened their doors. Did I know I was doing that? No, I didn't know I was doing that. I was trying to solve a problem. But fundamentally, leaders solve problems. But if you're a leader and you're trying to get your people to, to improve their performance continuously, as well as your own, then you have to be competent. And, and then 
And, and that means you also have to know what you believe. What do you know? Do I know what I believe? I had a conversation with a lieutenant once upon a time, and he came over to my house for Thanksgiving. We just we lived eight miles from the basic school at Quantico, so we we grabbed a bunch of them and brought them over, and you know that that didn't have any place to go. And uh, I said, "So what do you believe?" And he was like, "Hmm." I'm like, "Okay, yeah, I mean." Yeah, constitution, you know, your, or, you, you know, your, your oath of office, you know, church, what do, you, what do you believe? What's your core, what are your fundamental core principles in life? What makes, what causes you to, to base a judgment on anything? And he was like, wow, never really thought about it. I'm like, well, you better think about it because you're gonna have a whole bunch of people that are gonna to look to you and you need to be thinking ethically, morally, you know, professionally. You need to know what that's all based on and, and who you are, you know? So how do you do that? Well, if you weren't raised with all that, you know, you, you go read books, you go talk to people, you go, you know, you go find out what sets those things up, you know, and, uh, and, but you got to know what you believe because then you can figure out what your highest priorities in life are. Is your highest priority in life to make a million dollars? Is your highest priority in life to, you know, run the fastest, you know, drive the fastest car or is your priority in life to lead people, to make pe help people to be their best, to accomplish a mission, to move forward. What are your goals? What are your values? You got to figure that out. Um, so if I'm a leader, I'm a new leader. I need to know, what I do at my desk, where that expands out to, and my basis for decision-making, right? I need to know what I believe, you know? And then you need to think about your mission. Okay, that's me. I'm taking care of me. I get up every day. I PT. I do my admin. I do whatever I need to do. I take care of my people. And you do this whether you're in the civilian world or you're not. And then you got to say, what's my mission? What's the mission of our organization? I have to stretch out now. I got to start figuring out how I fit into that, how my people fit into that. And then if you want to make that mission happen, then you've got to, you have to be willing to go the extra mile. You, they need to know, your people need to know, if you're a Marine, that you'll stand in the mud with them in the coldest, darkest night, bring them coffee if that's all you can do, pass them ammo if that's what it is, or you'll, you know, fix bayonets and you'll be, going over the berm with them. That's, they need to know that. Um, so they need to know that, that, you know, that you're there and you, you care. The apprenticeship is continuous. That's the, probably the hardest part is kind of, is at every level, you're a master and an apprentice. The PFC that checks into your unit thinks that the lieutenant, you know, if, you, if you're halfway decent, right? Because, you know, he just thinks you are something to, to be. He doesn't really want to be you, though. He wants to be the gunny because he does. He wants to be the gunny. I, look, I spent 30 years trying to make a gunny, and I couldn't do it. I could only make colonel, <laughs> all right? So, um, but, uh, but, the, uh, but, you know, so you're, you're the, you come into the, to the uh, organization, and you are both master and apprentice. And at every level, you're master and apprentice. So at every rank, you know, when you became an NCO, new role, new job, you know, I'm now, I've mastered these things. I can mentor the people below me. 
but I'm still an apprentice at being an NCO. So I need to look up to my sergeants, my gunnies, my uh, sergeants major, you know? Um, and, and the same thing is true with, uh, with officers, you know, at every level. And it, it's true in the civilian world. If you're running a 50 man organization, well, let's talk about entrepreneurship. If you're an entrepreneur and you and five guys start a business, okay. Do, are you leading it? You're kind of leading each other depending on how you do business, right? And you're building that organization. But, and, and if you sell that thing off because you're turned a great widget and you sell it off and make a bazillion dollars, well, okay, great. But if you decide to sustain that and move it into a, you know, a, a revenue producing organization, you're, you're now got a completely different set of requirements, responsibilities, et cetera that you are now dealing with. So leadership at every level has its own requirements, its own learning, but now you move through it as a master and an apprentice continuously. Because, you know, my dad taught me lots of things. One of the things he used to always say was he said, learn, you learn something every day. I kind of took that and said, you know what? I need to learn something every day. And so I, 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 I pair that with, learn something every day and teach something every day. Because if you're learning something every day, you're growing. If you're teaching something every day, then you're building and you're building everybody around you. So, you know, that's another thing that I follow. Yeah, I like that a lot. That's awesome. Awesome. So there are two questions that I ask at the end of every interview. And they're both uh, just a very quick, whatever the first thing is off the top of your head, right? So okay. The first, the first one is if you had one word of advice for any E1, E2 or, or youngster, what would be the one thing you would want to tell them about being successful as a leader? The one thing I feel like we just kind of about being successful as a leader, it's a commitment. You commit to that. You decide to be a leader. L leadership doesn't find you. It may provide the opportunity for you, but it, it's a commitment and you have to take it seriously. So somebody just showed up with a bunch of trucks in front of my house. That's exciting. My dog's going nuts. I can barely hear him. Don't worry about it. Okay. All right. Good to go. Keep rolling, man. I'm sorry. I don't mean to interrupt. No, but... no, no, no. Easy. <laughs> we'll cut it out. It's all good. We're, we all we're, wrap, we're wrapping up anyway. So the second okay. question is, what is one resource, uh, book, course, website, whatever, that you would recommend anybody looking to uh, either, either start a business or become a better leader? And, and we'll let you plug your book in a second. So, <laughs> <laughs> Wow. One resource. Um, wow. I think there's a, a bunch of resources out there. I mean, I'd plug your, plug you, plug your site and your, uh, and your show here, absolutely, that... Uh, that's a, uh, that's, a, that's a key resource, I think, because you're, you're doing so much more than just real estate. And you're talking about all kinds of things. Um, wow, as far as becoming a, a, a better leader, um, man, I, I would tell you to read everything that you can read on leadership, right? Read everything you can read on leadership. You wanna learn about you know, there's a thousand books on real estate, choose the niche, right? I like buy and hold forever. Um, if you're, uh, if you're, if you want to be a great leader and, you know, it's in business, then read good to great. You know, if you want to read, if you want to be a, a, you know, 
a fantastic leader in the military, then there's a whole series of them. The commandant's reading list is, you know, it's got a, a ton. Uh, my favorite, you know, military one is, you know, defeat into victory. Um, that's the, that's all about the field marshal Slim's campaigns in India during World War II. And I mean, net, huge, massive defeats against the Japanese and then, you know, turns it around. Um, so the, the, there, there's great, great stuff there. But read everything. That's good advice. That's the advice I give when people ask me, what's the one book? I'm like, that's the wrong answer. That's the wrong question. The, read everything. Yeah. yeah. And then if, look, there's a great book out there called The Tax and Legal Playbook by, uh, by Kohler, um, which is a great place to start if you're, built, if you're starting a business. Awesome. I really appreciate it. And last but not least, where can people get a hold of you and what's the title of your book? Um, they, can, they can find me at uh, ConnollyConsulting.com. That's uh, C-O-N-N-A-L-L-Y. Um, and uh, the title of my book is Becoming a Leader, A Roadmap for My Daughter and the Aspiring Leader. And uh, you can find it on Amazon. So, Awesome. Well, Tom, thank you very much for joining us today. This has been a lot of fun. Listen, I really enjoyed it, guys. You guys are doing great work. This mil you know, military to millionaires, uh, you know, podcast and what you're doing. Um, I'm sure your book will be great as well. A nod to you on that. Um, you guys are, you're hitting home runs with this stuff and, it, and it's great to see. And, and you're young enough that you, you can keep doing this for a long time and continue to be successful. And, and that's really cool. And so I appreciate it. I appreciate the opportunity. And uh, man, give them hell every day, right? One last thing. Yep. I have a saying. It says, all things are possible with prayer and heavy deadlifts, right? Faith <laughs> and effort, right? <laughs> Faith and effort. So, you know, keep lifting, man. Alex definitely loves his deadlifts. So <laughs> I love we, my deadlift. We, hey, we appreciate that. Thank you very much. Thanks, Tom. Thank you. Thank you for listening to another episode about my journey from military to millionaire. If you liked it, be sure to visit from militarytomillionaire.com slash podcast to subscribe to future podcasts. While you're there, we'd love for you to rate the show. Give us a review on iTunes. Now get out there and take action.